Welcome to episode number 286, Diamond Striking. This is the Rotated Views Podcast with Jimmy Lee and the crew, giving you life from various perspectives. Welcome to our level. We hope you enjoy the views. Brought to you by the Blessed Lifestyle brand. Visit bl3ssed.com to get blessed. Also sponsored by The Motivation Files Unleashed. This motivational mixtape will be your fuel for success. Available on all platforms. Alright, you are now tuned in to the Rotated Views Podcast. I am your host, Jimmy Lee Velez. I'm here with Goose, Angelo, Justin, yo, yo. Heck, and Gabe. Diamond striking. In this episode, we have special guest Justin Burke. We cover topics that range from fight camps, coaching, teaching, being a father, mixed martial arts, and much more. We wrap the episode up with quotes from Dan Millman and Mike Dooley. Guys, if you're new, thank you for listening. Don't forget to download and subscribe to drop a new episode every Tuesday morning for your listening pleasure kicking things off gentlemen gentlemen thank you for joining us we appreciate it thanks for having me all right man so let's jump right into this bad boy uh justin uh we got angelo who's his barber who works at goose's barber shop i mean this is like a family you know family affair over here i like it i like it i like it all right justin so for those of us who do not know who you are and what you do let us know uh, my name is Justin Burke. I uh, just recently started my own brand called Diming Striking. Uh, you know, I pretty much, you know, professional fighters hire me on to be their striking coach. Uh, you know, all things throughout the fight camp, weight cuts, you know, nutrition, all that good stuff. And uh, I love it. So, so uh, when you say fighting, is this mixed martial arts, boxing, kickboxing? So I'll take on any fighter who, you know, hits me up. I'll, I'll take him on, you know, if, if it fits into my schedule. And, uh, you know, I like what I'm taking on, I, I, you know, absolutely. So, so what qualifies somebody? What are you looking for as their coach? So, you know, someone who's going to be on time to my practices, you know, someone who is, has an open mind, um, doesn't come in, you know, you know, and again, just the more so, that, you know, having like the open mind and being willing to be, you know, be a student. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. All right, so let's reverse back a little bit. How did you actually get started? Were you yourself a fighter? Were you yourself uh, training? And then um, you kind of just graduated into being a coach and starting your own brand? How did that, you get started? Yeah, man. Uh, well, I started back in 2009 uh, uh, with Pedro from 10th round. Okay. <clears throat> um, you know, he threw me, he kind of threw me into the wolves a little bit. Uh, I got into the box ring, like my second day was sparring with, you know, crazy people. And, <laughs> you know, and at that time, you know, Eric was training out of that gym. And, um, you know, eventually Eric ended up taking over 10th round and becoming NPR. So once I see all these guys rolling around the mat doing jujitsu, you know, beating the heck out of each other, I was like, that's where I need to be. <laughs> so. That's but awesome. yeah, so yeah, I, I, I fought a few times, um, you know, I had some success and, um, you know, I had my daughter, well, me and my wife had, you know, our daughter yeah. and, you know, I started to kind of fun out a little bit and that tends to happen. Um, and once I came back, uh, I just, you know, I really loved the, you know, the coaching aspect of it. Yeah. Helping the guys out throughout their fight camps, you know, and just, you know, getting that ball rolling, being in their corners throughout their fights. You know, so I thought to myself, you know, you know, I want to do this myself, you know what I mean? So I want to put a brand on me, you know, and have, you know, don't get me wrong, you know, I train out of NPR, NPR has been my home for 10 years, yeah. you know, I, I love Eric. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he's, he's always encouraging me to, you know, go out, you know, and 
you know, do my own thing, you yeah. know, so. For sure. So uh, for those of you who do not know, the reference Eric is Eric Purcell. Check his episode out. We actually had him on a few episodes prior to this one. So that's awesome. Um, all right. So so you're fascinated with this. Life happens, but you still want to kind of stay in tune with things. Um I mean, what is it like? Like, what, what brings you back? Is it the thrill, the adrenaline, the excitement? Um, is it the, the, the matchmaking? Or you just, just be, love being in the ring? I know earlier you did allude to saying you just actually enjoy teaching, which is yeah. dope. Um, but for mixed martial arts itself, what, what brings you back? You, you said it perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> the, the lights, man. Yeah. The lights, the noise, you know, the chaos, yeah. the controlled violence. It's, yeah. it's just in my blood. Yeah. Without it, I'm, I'm absolutely nothing. Yeah. Um, you know, I love helping out my guys and seeing them do well. That's the big thing for me. Um, but, yeah, man, that controlled violence is... <laughs> I love it. So, so a lot of people use this as an outlet for m multiple reasons, right? You have some guys who, as you just said, may have um, a temper and want to structure, you know, how, how they, you know, exhaust their, their the, the violence. Then you have some people who just want to do it for the exercise and mm -hmm. the fitness of it. Um, then you have the guys who want to compete. Yep. So how do you guys determine that what this person is, or do you do that in conclusion with the person themselves like how does someone de determine whether you think they're good enough to compete yeah yeah so over the years man um you know we've had guys come to the gym you know with not any you know aspirations to fight yeah we'll see their technique and like hey man you know you would do you would do good in there you know and they're like oh yeah and they start thinking and then you start training them they're like okay let me let me take on my first fight and see how i do that's how a lot of the, a lot of this happens you know some of these guys have no you know you know vision to fight at all yeah. and they end up being great <laughs> that's awesome um but the guys with the tempers they'll they'll funnel themselves out yeah. you know they'll come into the gym they'll try and match someone else's energy or you know i see it all the time you know the street fighter coming into the boxing yeah. gym it's just it, it never works out yeah so they'll come in they'll try and you know pump their chest and they'll be humbled by a 15 year old kid and you know they <laughs> you know <laughs> and they go back you know you know playing video games wherever they do um so one thing that fascinates me is um, the bounce back from injury. And the reason why I say that, how important is it for when someone's considering competition to have the ability to, I don't want to say take pain, but take a punch, uh, one or two, bounce back from someone popping your elbow uh, bow at a place or something like that. What, what is like the resilience there? Is that, or how important is that for someone to actually take a punch? You know, it's all adrenaline. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've been hit pretty hard in, yeah. in, in my time. Um, yeah. You know, and, and as the adrenaline's going, you know, you don't really feel it. I've broken my foot, my wrist, stuff like that. Yeah. And once you're done, you get out of the shower, you sit on the couch, like, try to get up, like, oh, uh-oh. <laughs> you know, so most of the times you know right away. But taking a punch, man, it's just more of a mental thing. You know, yeah. if you, you know, you take a punch, you got to be able to keep going forward. Yeah. Um, if, if you shy away from that, it's just not for you, yeah. you know? What about um, injury recovery, right? So there's people recover a bunch of different ways. You oh, have yeah. people who are very aggressive. Yep. Uh, the, the classic one has nothing to do with fighting, uh, but I'm, I'm always remembered, everyone here remembers when Terrell Owens like snapped his ankle in half mm -hmm. and like was back in the field like four yeah. weeks later. It was the most incredible thing anyone's ever seen. You have people who are like that are super aggressive to get back in. And there's fighters, plenty of examples oh, yeah. of that. Then you have people who, I don't want to say baby it, but they nurture it a little bit longer. Is there a good or bad, or is it just a, a personal choice? Like the, I always feel like the guy who gets back in there too soon is risking 
injury again. Oh, yeah. uh, but I guess it, it depends on the person, right? I mean, it, it really does. It depends on you know your mental state and how bad you want it. Yeah. You know, I've I've definitely been on the side of rushing back from injury than mm. setting myself back even further. Yeah. So yeah, uh, exactly. you know, but there's guys who are in fantastic shape and they can get away with that. You yeah. know, it's you know, no fighter. And I promise you this, you know, probably in every single roster, regional scene, UFC, nobody's 100% healthy. Not a single person. They're dealing with one or two things at, you know, bare minimum, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I mean, um, I remember hearing a wild stat. I want to say it's Lou Gehrig. Lou Gehrig, the famous uh, New York Yankees baseball player, uh, I think after he retired, as you guys know, earlier in baseball creation the baseball gloves were not as padded as they are now well they found like in his hands they took like an x-ray and he had like 50 something fractures in his catching hand and he was playing with it like just so playing injured obviously is a thing and i'm always fascinated like um behind the scenes we've seen a couple things with boxers how much sacrifice you have to do to make weight um the the dieting the the training camps that you're going through it's months and months and months of preparation and then all of a sudden the, the dude caught COVID, right? And you're just like, oh my gosh, bro. Yeah, like, that is such a mental trickery that's going on in your mind. Yeah. Um, so talk a little bit about the prep leading up to a, an event and how crazy things, there's so many <clears throat> moving parts. Oh, yeah. So, you know, as of right now, we have about, you know, I'm, I'm cornering about five or six, six guys coming up here, April 1, April 2, and April 15. Nice. Uh, we are already on their weight. We're already nice. monitoring that, you know, what they're eating, how they're exercising, their food intake, their water intake. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that, you know, a lot of that goes into that. So I, we try to schedule everything for about a week out to where they really start making their cut. Um, you know, usually about a day out, you know, we'll go sit in the sauna with the sauna suit and cut yeah. five to seven pounds out. Um, I try to get my fighters into that range. Anything over that is kind of extreme. You know, there is guys who, you know, can cut 20 pounds in two days. <laughs> wow. But but it's but it, that's, that's pretty intense. You know, that's a, it takes a huge toll on your body. Yeah. Um, so all my guys, I like to monitor it and get them in the five to seven range the week of, and then they start, you know, cutting back their water. So before, you know, the day before weigh-ins or weigh-in day, we're sitting around four pounds out. We go sit in the sauna suit, rub Aveline all over your body, get the sauna suit on, sit in there for an hour, hop out, go weigh in, and you know start rehydrating. Okay, so for those that don't know, explain weight and what you have to come in as. So there's weight classes, oh, yeah. obviously. Yep. Um, so there's let's just say let's just say a classic 165. Mm-hmm. If you have to be 165, what is your range at weigh in? Uh, well, I mean, you get a pound allowance. Just uh, one pound. One pound. So wow. yeah, that's how that's yeah. how insane this is. Yeah, yeah. One pound. Right. Yep. And and now that I'm thinking, like we all know, like the cheapo uh, scales that we have. What if oh, yeah. your scale's been off? You know, it's like yeah. that's kind of crazy. Listen, you're we, risking a lot. Yeah. So we we kind of weigh ourselves on three different scales. It all go, okay. it all goes into that. You got to okay. make sure you're on. And plus, you get a pre-weight too. You can go to the arena wherever you're weighing in and check your weight. If you're over, you're going to be hitting the parking lot with a sunsuit on, running around, trying to cut the last of the weight. I mean, it sucks, but it is what it is. Um, but there's a lot of guys who come in over as well, and they'll screw their opponent. Um, yeah, I mean, we've seen it. We've seen, we're waiting for a guy to, to fight for however long this was getting uh, promoted, and the guy was like, his opponent was like not even close. It was like 12 pounds over, and it was the most obnoxious. Mm. No, it was disrespectful, actually. To yeah. me, it was like... Dude, there's too much time, energy, and money going into this for you to be 12 pounds overweight, and you yourself are saying you have to be within one pound? 
But that's you know that's that goes on a lot. That's a that's a popular thing for people to do, especially for what someone for a below 500 record to you know come in. You know they just want to pad their win or try to get an easy win. They'll try and you know mess with the weight a little bit. But the athletic commission will find you. I mean they'll take some money out of your purse. But it's up to the fighter if they want to continue to go through uh, <clears throat> you know the, with the fight. So. Wow, so I didn't know this. So they'll actually consult with you, with the opponent, to say, yeah. hey, obviously he's overweight. Do you still want to go through with this? You're yep. going to get a portion of his purse? Yep. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. Okay, so there's negotiations in between. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it all goes into, I just remember I had Eddie chugging water even before he stepped on the scale. <laughs> <laughs> just to get it up. Just, yeah. just to get his weight on so that, you know, there wasn't such a huge difference. It was a hell of a fight. Um, yeah. But, you know. How much, of it, how much of a difference do you allow to happen? Like, how much weight? Like, obviously, if he's 165 and the dude's coming in at 170 to five pound difference, is that going to make it like you have to What's allowable? Yeah. yeah, what's allowable? That, it's, it's allowable difference. That's, that's it not allowed. You know what I mean? It's right. it's not allowed at all. Right. You know what I mean? Okay. You're only allowed a one pound allowance. So, if, say the weight class is 170, welterweights, you got you, you to come in at 171. That's that's the most you can do. Right, but what he's saying is when you're negotiating, you guys know he's six pounds over, and then yeah. like, do you still want to go through this? Like, what is an allowable? I mean, as a coach, what, what what would you like? Like, if some dude comes in at twelve pounds, is the league themselves not going to let allow yeah, this to happen? Yeah, I th I'm, I'm not really too sure. I can't quote it the exact number, but that would be way too much. Yeah. The fight would be scratched automatically. Okay. Um, you know, four to five pounds. Yeah, I'm assuming yeah, five pounds. Yeah, but but you got to think too. Like, if that person doesn't make weight, they're obviously going to be the bigger fighter the next day. You know, the next night, and it, and it does make a difference. They're going to rehydrate better. They're going to be bigger in size. You know, it, there's a lot to be, a lot of it that goes into yeah. it. That's why they're meant to meet at the same weight. So, talk for the listeners who are unaware of what it means at walk around weight. They say that they throw this around a lot versus when they're going into an actual match or a battle. Now, explain what that means and the significance actually of it. Well, you know, I know guys who walk around 215 and they fight at 170. So, I mean, wow. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Wow. Yeah. yeah so, I mean, there, there's guys who make even a larger cut than that. I mean, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, some people walk around 185, they'll fight at like, you know, 155. You know, it, 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 that's just the way it is, I man. But like I said, 12 weeks out. You know, you gotta start your camp, training hard, dieting, drinking your water, you know, making sure you're doing all the necessary steps. Wow, so um, to switch gears just a little bit, but still talking about body frames, um, when, you know, right when a fight is about to start or the matchmakers get together, um, and actually I wanna talk a little bit about that, but looking at weight isn't just an only significant thing when you're looking at your opponent, right? Did we see, I remember seeing something as crazy as like, uh, like arm reach distance is four to six inches difference. Yeah. And it, so, can you explain what the what why that's so significant? Even though we're both, let's say, one seventy five, but this guy has a four inch uh, reach than me. I mean, it's pretty much self explanatory. Just yeah. the range. You know, you stick your jab out. You I mean his jab's gonna be longer than your jab, so you right. got to fight to you know break down his range and get on the inside and either work for a takedown or, or you know dirty box on the inside. Yeah. Um, but yeah, range is a huge factor, man. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, so, so explain a little bit about matchmaking. Ha, ha, when are you getting involved, um, and when does a fight make sense versus uh, does not make sense for your your guy to go in and go yeah. through it? So as I've you know I started my own brand, you know I I am starting to take on you know matchmakers now hit me up to you know schedule fights. Yeah. Um, I won't take anything if it doesn't make sense. You know if a guy is you know six and three. 
you know, we're not going to fight a guy, you know, who's, you know, 14 and 0. Yeah. You know what I mean? 100%. You know, or if our, if our record's 4 and, you know, 4 and 7, we're not going to fight a guy who's like 13 and 2. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you just got to find something that makes sense. Find the most identical fight you can get and, you know, work up from there. So a lot of the, and this is more so boxing than it is MMA, but it's still combat sports, is a lot of guys, um, you know, the, the knockout punching or, you know, first round knockouts, people are saying, like, it sells tickets because it's entertaining, but it doesn't last, and you have this event that was supposed to go for four hours, it's done in two hours. Does that mess with anyone's head at all? Like, what's the mentality when they hear just commentary from even, like, professional, you know, uh, who are former athletes themselves. And we just heard it a lot because we were watching a boxing match over this weekend. This kid was known, basically, first-round knockout. His first 12 fights, first-round, knocked every single one of his opponents out. They st- I feel that the uh, the fan base and maybe some commentators are saying, well, you need to, ex- you need to uh, show that you can last longer than one round. And a lot of people were saying, but why? Who cares? You're, you know, you're not going to – what the hell does that matter? What, we, what am I showing you, me lasting three rounds and then knock them out? You know what I'm saying? So, so why is that significant? Is it at all significant? Or you just want to get that bad boy over with? Yeah, I mean, you know, as a fighter, you want to get out of there as quick as possible. Yeah, you, you exactly. don't, you're not really going to care, you know, yeah. what anybody has to say exactly. about that. Getting a first-round knockout, I mean, come on, there's nothing yeah. better than that. Yeah. But obviously, the guy who's fighting him is going to want to take him the distance and, you know, kind right. of break him down, you know, right. and show him what, you know, drag him in the deep waters. It happens, man. There's a lot of upsets, you know, in boxing, UFC. It Absolutely. happens. Undefeated guys who come, you know, get their first loss, man. So, so as a coach... That's your guy, right? You've been training with this guy forever, um, especially during you guys become close, your boys. And let's just say you're in a scenario where it's not looking good. Or let's just any, it doesn't have to be you in particular, just anyone. What, at what point do you guys talk about that? When, you're, when does the coach own a towel versus when the, because I always feel like the fighter himself is not going to quit. Um, and we've seen some nasty fights. Uh, and then we also seen where we felt like maybe the corner was just a little premature in throwing that. Or you just let, let, let the reps go. Do you guys negotiate, like with your fighter, do you guys talk about this stuff? Or you're like, I'm not throwing in the tail ever? Like, how does that work? <laughs> so, fortunately, I've never had to deal with this yet. Yes. Um, in boxing, it's a lot different because boxing, you get hit way more than you get hit yeah. in MMA. Yeah. So, it's like you get your head rattled around too much in the boxing ring. And it, it can come to that point where, like, all right. You've had enough. Yeah. I can see that, but in MMA, I mean, I've never had to deal with it yet. Yeah. But as far as it goes, like, I know my guys. Yeah, right. And I'll know the look in their eye. You know, I'll see where they're at, and I'll gauge it from there. You know, obviously, they trust in me as well. So if I were to say, all right, you're done, I'm sure they would agree with it. I mean, nobody's going to agree with it, but if I know that you've taken too much of a beating, and if it's not, you know, an important fight or anything like that, there's no risk of, there's no uh, point in getting your head beat in any further. But the refs do a good job with that, man. Yeah. You know, in, in MMA for sure. So, so can you talk us through um, the the day of the fight? What's going on? Like, how are you prepping mentality wise? Because some people could get. You know what kills me, or what what fascinates me actually is if I woke up that morning, I would feel like I would lose so much. I just had adrenaline, so much excitement. People hitting you up on you know social media, your family calling you, just so it's like draining. How do how do you guys avoid that and be in tip top shape when you're going in? Like all we're seeing really is their hands getting taped in the back, headphones on, listening to music, and then yep. they're walking in. But there's a lot that's going on behind the scenes that is a lot of pressure. Yeah, fight day sucks, man. Yeah. Uh, what I tell my guys is cut the phone out, 
yeah. know, get, get out get out of the world for a little while. Yeah. But fight day sucks. You're sitting around, you're waiting all day long. You're waiting for your time to shine, you know. So yeah. there's a lot of resting, a lot of sitting around, a lot of, you know, game, you know, you know, game planning, talking, you know, going over situations, you know, shadow boxing, stuff like that, getting warmed up. Um, but yeah, as far as like the distractions and all, I tell everybody, listen, if you're going to sell tickets, sell them up to about four days up to the fight and other, other than that, don't deal with none of that anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, it's time, it's time, it's go time. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's your yeah, fight day, man, you sit around, you wait, <laughs> you know, it, it sucks. <laughs> so, uh, do, do you have guys that are, um, when they're going out, they have a particular, like you won't take a particular fight because of where it's at, um, uh, geographically speaking, or you're just kind of open to whatever, or is there a strategy behind that? Because um, you have folks, let's just, you know, the one of the most famous MMA fighters coming literally from Ireland, flying over. There's a whole strategy to that to get used to, you know, you're not having a jet lag in the ring or anything like that. So they're here almost a week plus. Um, so so you, do you guys take that into consideration or is it kind of, so far, kind of been local enough where it's it's manageable? Well, the high-level guys in the UFC, obviously, you're traveling no matter what. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a gimme. But the regional scene, yeah, we can pick and choose. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How, do you, how do you prepare for the opponent? Is it, are you going through videos? Are you... Um, Consulting with other folks who maybe have previously fought this guy. How do you? I mean, that's. I'm trying to think of like the art of war. Like, how, how do you? What's the mentality there? You know, basically breaking down your opponent. Yeah, day one. As soon as we, uh, you know, sign the contract or lock in the fight, you know, we're, you know, as soon as we get our opponent, we're breaking them down immediately. We're getting any footage that they have. You know, we're breaking them down. How he moves, how he throws his punches, his takedowns, everything. Um, yeah, I mean, just spending 12 weeks of just breaking one particular guy down. So, I mean, obviously there's an unfortunate part where they'll end up getting injured. The backing out, we get a new opponent. It's all mental. You just got to continue to, you know, keep going. So do you do you have – you your fighters change your approach per the your opponent? Or is it kind of like you're going in with – and I mean your fighting style. Or do you keep your fighting style and then you, you just – you're kind of going to what – you've seen on the films what they're going to do next or very predictable moves um do you change your style or you kind of just stay in your style and then you kind of make appropriate adjustments we, we make you know the appropriate adjustments yeah. but we you know we always evolve i mean yeah. there's no there's never just one fighting style but yeah we we tailor it to the opponent if he stands tall if he stands you know shorter if he stands long you know if he's a wrestler if he's a striker you know right. we're, we're yeah we, we tailor it to you know everything about their opponent. So speaking of which, flip that around. Yep. Are you when when you know your guy's probably a better striker than he is on the you know grappling? Do you, do you kind of try to f you know finesse the opponent in that sense too, and you just kind of make it wet, like you know put all the odds in your your favor? One hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. We always have to uh, you know train for what they think that we're going to do. Yeah. Absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's talk about diamond striking, yep. right? And so uh, the evolution of this, uh, you have the uh, a hoodie on right now that has it's a, literally a diamond with a crown on top of it, diamond yep. striking on it. How did that come about? Why diamond striking, and how, why does it resonate with you? You know, I, I like I, I kind of don't even know where to begin with this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this could begin with you know day one, you know, from a childhood until now. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you guys want me to. Let's go. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's hear it, man. <laughs> hey, listen. So, so for those of us uh, listening right now, you all know we've had over 285 
uh, episodes prior to this, and one of the biggest comments and commentary and feedback that we get is hearing people's stories. So if you don't mind sharing a little bit about your story, I mean, we don't need to know like your third grade teacher's name or anything, yeah, but uh, <laughs> you know, but just if you want to share your story, that's inspiring to uh, to people, and a lot of folks can relate one way or another. So yeah, absolutely. Whatever you want to share, we're here. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's you know been kind of a wild ride. I mean, I'll be 33 in December, so you know, 32. Um, you know, going back to where, as far as I can remember, like I, in every episode, every emphasis, uh, I come from a trailer. Yeah. Um, I lived in a trailer in, Flor in Florida. I was born in uh, Lower Bucks Hospital, but uh, my grandma lived in Florida, so I moved down there with my, my mom and my brother. Okay. Um, we lived in the trailer. Literally, our, the next neighborhood was rich houses. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. So, you know, it was, it was kind of, kind of crazy, but, um, you know, as a, you know, Time progressed, you know, I watched my mom taken out of the trailer in handcuffs. Wow. You know, stuff like that. Me and yeah. my brother really didn't have anything. Yeah. Um, anytime we would sneak out, we would go to these, you know, to the rich houses and they this was like when the N sixty four just came out, like yeah. they're looking at us like we're dressed like God knows what. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Their parents are looking at us funny, like, you guys are from over there, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> no. But um yeah, man, so you know, my mom ended up meeting um you know her husband you know so we ended up moving with him that came with every form you know of abuse as far as seeing that firsthand you yeah. know i've seen some pretty gnarly stuff yeah um so growing up with that i you know you know for starters i didn't have a father you know yeah. i didn't meet my dad until i was 17. so i had no i was stuck you know what yeah. I mean? my my little brother have uh has a different dad than i do okay so his dad eventually ended up coming to get him so it was just me you know with two other stepbrothers two stepsisters and we were moving from florida to massachusetts back to pa back to florida wow every two weeks you know my mom would pack her stuff Right, it's time to go. We would go to Grandma's house that wow. lived in Florida. I don't know. I mean, I can see it now. Like, I don't know what kind of mind games they were playing, but we would go back to his house. You know, hmm. we'd be stuck there. Then, you know, my mom gets her butt whooped again, and he'd be whooping on me. And, you know, it, it, it was pretty bad. So I moved around up and down the East Coast in yeah. different schools. I didn't really have – I could never have a friend. Yeah. You know, because we moved around so much. Like, I could never get settled in. Yeah. I had no structure whatsoever. Like, I'm talking, like, you know, Christmas time. Like, my aunt from up here, like, she would have to hide buying me, like, a BMX bike or clothes. And the, don't make sure you don't tell him. Huh. We would have to hide it, you know, because whatever I got, they would have to get too. Like, yeah. it, it was just like, yeah. you know, it, it, it was kind of crazy, you know. And, you know, and they would, you know, Christmas time, they would get all this stuff. And, like, I would just be sitting there like the, like the redheaded stepchild, man. It was wow. like, it was pretty crazy, you know, to deal with like the, the neglect and, you know, and stuff like that. It really kind of, you know, it, uh, it just, I don't know. It's like, it's like hard to say. Like, I, I, like, again, I just didn't have any structure. Yeah. I didn't know where I was going. So, you know, we're talking in the teenage years. My mom got pregnant with my little sister from him and um, we ended up finally leaving. So we ended up, we, at this point in time, we lived in Massachusetts. I think I just had met like my first girlfriend. I forget her name. How old were you at this time? I think I was 13. Yeah. Yeah, I was 13, and this girl lived like two houses up from me. I, like, I think it was like the first time like my heart actually beated for yeah, something. Yeah, 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 <laughs> for sure. You know? Yeah. And my mom's like, we're leaving. I'm like, man, I, man, I ain't trying to go now. <laughs> like, right, right. But uh, you know, I had no idea, you know. Uh, so we end up leaving. You know, we come to PA. My mom, you know, gets her own apartment for the first time. For the first time, I felt free. Yeah. First time, we didn't have to deal with yelling and screaming, you know, driving down the highway. 
and this guy's screaming profanities at my mom, you know, hitting her in the head. My mom jumped out the van. We're doing like 60 miles an hour. She jumped out the side of the highway. Wow. Yeah, man. It, like, I, like some crazy stuff. So yeah. like, you know, we had to get away from that. So once my mom, you know, got pregnant, we finally moved, you know, we got our own apartment. Then I finally started going to like a regular school, started making friends. And I met my first friend. His name was Jimmy. Yeah. Um, he's been my best friend for, you know, 16 years. Yeah. Um, today's his birthday. <laughs> Jimmy's but, birthday. Yeah. But what tomorrow brings is, is it's, it's messed up. But yeah. um, so, you know, you know, meeting him, I was finally had my first friend. Finally was like starting to gain, gain friends, go to school and become a normal kid. You know, still not having a dad. So my mom's, you know, she did the best she could. You know, I guess she was wrapped up in the whole love thing. But, um, you know, fast forward, you know, we're, I, I, like, and again, I didn't have any structure. So going through high school, I was actually bullied a little bit. Yeah. I had, like, a little smart mouth on me. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. You yeah, know, yeah. and I actually had kids, like, kind of, like, push my head up against a school bus window. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, like, scared. I'm, like, what the hell is going on? So you're around here in Bucks County area? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, at this point, we were living in Fairless Hills. Okay. Um, so anyways, you know, fast forward, you know, I'm in ninth grade. I end up getting kicked out of Pensbury because of a stupid fight. So I end up going to a school called uh, CSF. Okay. You know, I literally did like two plus two. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? Just the simplest stuff just to graduate. I have a Pensbury diploma, but I didn't learn a single thing there. But what I did meet is, is a guy named Kevin. Okay. Um, he changed my life. Yeah. He stepped in as like a father figure and, you know, really gave me a little bit of structure, let me know what I should do. I was going to boot camp every other week, every other weekend, uh, act weekends. I don't know if you guys ever heard of that. Yeah. Um, so I, wait, so wait, is Kevin a teacher? Kevin was a teacher there. Okay. Yeah, but he was like a social worker. It was, it was like kind of like a, like a school for kids on probation. Yeah, yeah, kids, yeah. Kids and group homes and, and stuff like that. Um, I got on probation for being at a situation I had nothing to do with. My oh, friend man. ended up getting off a bus and you know, punching some kid in the face, and I got on probation for it. Hmm. So, um, you know, I got in trouble while I was on probation, but my probation officer actually, you know, looking back, like, okay, he did have a plan. Yeah. But he put my ass in boot camp for two years. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Every other weekend I was taking a bus, I forget where, somewhere up the Poconos, and we, you know, act weekends, learning how to hike, you know, build tents, fires, and all that good stuff. It changed me. Wow. They literally changed me. It's amazing. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I got in a little bit of trouble, you know, drinking underage, you know, stuff like that. So are you like 13 to 15 at this point? Thir like, yeah, from like 13 to like, yeah, 16, okay. 17. You know, I was still going to boot camp. Got a little bit of trouble. You know, I actually did 10 days up at the uh, juvenile detention hall. Okay. That scared the heck out of me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I don't know how people do it. You know, yeah. I, I just, you know, being in clothes like that. But ever since that point, I've never been in trouble. Yeah. Um. You know, come 17, I finally meet my, meet my father. You know, I, wow. I come home one night, my dad's sitting on my couch. He's all drunk. And the first thing he does, is he shows me like a karate move and he smacks me in the side of my head and smacks me in both my ears. Boop, boop. I'm like, yo, what? <laughs> and he's like, wow. Yeah, like it was like the strangest thing. So, anyways, meeting my dad. Um, <laughs> I met my brother from Ohio. I have a sister in Alabama. I have an, uh, another sister who lived in West, uh, not Westchester, Philadelphia. I have another uh, sister in Louisiana. 
and all these uh, nieces and nephews, and another one in South Carolina. I have all these siblings that, like, I had, you know, grew up never knowing. Yeah. Uh, I'm super close with my brother now. Like, me and my brother are so tight. Yeah. Um, Him and his kids, my nieces and nephews, like, it's, I mean, but he lives in Ohio. Okay. So we make that trip, you know, multiple times a year. I'm always back and forth. Either he's coming out here or I'm going out there. So there's a lot of good that came from that, you know. You know, obviously, me and my dad still have a relationship. You know, it's been rocky. It's kind of one of them things, like, I didn't meet you till I was 17, so like there was a lot missed. But like we, you know, we've established, you know, you know, it's it's, it's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, um, <laughs> it's, it's 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 been a wild ride. It's yeah. been it's been a little crazy. But so so we're talking when I first meet my my dad. You know, shortly after I end up joining that boxing gym. Okay. That was the first kind of structure I've ever had. So once I started getting into that, that's when I was like, oh, and I started learning. Going to the gym regularly, you know, I was like smoking cigarettes as a teenager. Yeah. I stopped doing all that stuff. Yeah. You know, I just started following people who have success in this world and pretty much following the leader, you know, in a good way this time. Yeah. So now we're talking 10 years past tense. Um, you know, um, that's that's pretty much where diamond striking comes from because I didn't have nothing growing up. Yeah. So finally having something, you know, that's mine and something that I'm good at. I'm not good at anything. I can't build you a house. I can't I can't change your outlet and your you know what I mean? Yeah, I, yeah. You know, I can, you know, hardly turn a wrench on a car, but what I'm good at is is the knowledge of, you know, fighting. Yeah. And, you know, fighting myself. Yeah. So, uh, and, and, you know, being a leader to people who don't really have structure. Yeah. Uh, my, my heart goes to where this troubled teen is, who doesn't have a dad. Who do, that's, where, that's my soft spot. Those are the guys I want to eventually have my own gym and work with that core group. That's, yeah. that's what I care about. Yeah. Working with professional fighters, it's all fine and dandy, but I want to actually make a huge impact in someone's life. So that's, that's pretty much why, like why I started Diamond Striking. Okay. So that's where, where I'm going with that. Yeah. Eventually. Yeah. So. I yeah. like it. Yeah. I like it. So, so um, wow, heck of a journey, man. Yeah. Um, and you're just like scratching the surface. I can tell there's yeah. so many more oh, millions man. of details in there. Um, I, I got one. You said you just, so after you met your father, you started going to the boxing gym. Now, was that because... He came out with you some karate chops, or was it because <laughs> something like, no, literally boxed his ears in? <laughs> yeah, nah, man. You know, um, I, I don't think it had anything to do with that. I think it was just more of like a thing that I just walked in on one time and just maybe, maybe like um, like my dad was telling me he used to teach karate growing up, but like you know, yeah, my dad was a Rolling Stone in every episode. Play, he, he plays in a he plays in a band, drives yeah. a Harley. Yeah, he, he's like you know telling me yeah. all these about these crazy stories and stuff. So, um, but yeah, I mean that's uh, I don't think it resonated with that. I, I just kind of did my own thing. Yeah. So what, was that like your outlet? You think? Oh yeah. Boxing was like yo, I just found something that I can release. Yeah. Let go of all this this craziness. And yeah. Just, in a positive way. Yes. In a, in a yeah. good way. Yes. Yeah. And it was just. And it was, like you said, the most structured you've ever been, but you're yeah. able to like release it all, yeah. all the negative. So doing boxing and MMA, like I used to struggle with real bad depression, anxiety, you know, obviously with my upbringing, it brought a lot of that. Yeah. Um, the one thing I do highly recommend, if you want to break that, start going there and hit a bag. Yeah. If I don't get punched in my face at least once a week, I'm I'm upset. Like yeah. I, I, like, I I'm 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 not okay. <laughs> yeah. So like you know I, you got to feel that and you know it's a, it's a huge release. It, yeah. And again without that, I, I'd literally be nothing. I don't even know where I would be honestly. 
you know, obviously with the boot camp and everything else like that, it changed me. But without this, I, I have no idea. I'm not good at anything. You yeah. know, I have no yeah. idea. It's amazing, man. You have a crazy story that's um, it's it's powerful when you share it because there's a lot of people who go the other who live the exact same things that you just ex uh, yeah. described and go the other way. Yeah. Yep. The fascinating part is that you grabbed that and you internalized it in a way better outlet than um you know some other people might have i'm not sure um what what made you want to turn it into something positive though that's was it because you mentioned uh, several people who positively you mentioned kevin yeah um you mentioned your friend but then it was like wh what was it that you want to take take it to positive was it though what you did mention that you went to juvenile detention center yeah. and you got kind of scared straight type of deal but um you're like i'm never going back there yeah. that was probably i'm sure that was something that played into it whether it was high impact or low it was there um and then just structure and then you found that this gym that finally what you said gave you you know more yeah. structure outside of the those weekend things that you're doing it, is that what it was or it's more so a brotherhood you gotcha. know I, I never felt like i was not to sit here and sound like a sob story i never felt like i was loved as a kid yeah i always felt like i was always on the back burner yeah so when i'm in the gym and i'm training with my guys they're like yeah man let's go i'm like like I never felt that before. Yeah, like yeah, this yeah. is this is awesome, and that yeah. it was addicting. Yeah, you know to keep coming back and you know training with your brothers, and I still got I still have people who I train with today who when I first started. Wow. So like you know it's it, it forms like a brotherhood and all, but I, I didn't I, I totally forgot I didn't finish the story about yeah. my best friend. Yeah, yeah. Um. So meeting Jimmy was my my first friend. You yeah. know, hitting him off. You know, we did everything together. Yeah. Everything back from the next hell chirps yeah. to <laughs> where you at, bro? Like we were always together, man. Yeah. Always. Um, he got himself in trouble too. Yeah. He did the right thing as well. But what he did was he moved. He went out to Pittsburgh. Okay. To some sort of school that gave him free, you know, college and give him a diploma, give him a place to live, give him give him structure. Yeah. Um. But we still made it work, man. We were still best friends, you know. You know, later on down the line, you know, obviously I had I have two kids, you know. I, he was trying for one with with his with his wife, and um, you know, he he turned 30 two years ago, and died the next day. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So like, um, tragically on a motorcycle. Oh wow. Yeah. So um, that, it's it's been a that, him and sorry his, to hear that. Yeah, him and his wife got married in July. And he ended up passing away in March. Jeez. So, um, hmm. but he, but you know, they were together since he was f pretty much first out there. So, okay. Um, he, but they were trying for a kid. Um, but yeah, losing him, you know, I, I feel like I died as well. Yeah. You know, it it it, it killed me. I didn't even have a tattoo, you know, on my arm here. Damn. Um, <clears throat> yeah, losing him, a, a lot of me passed away, man. You know, my spontaneous, my my funny, like charisma like it just i didn't have it anymore it's, yeah. it's gone and yeah. we're talking it'll be two years tomorrow wow yeah so it'll be two years tomorrow and the, the last year and a half i've gained about 40 pounds you know what i mean i used yeah. to walk around way lighter i used to be like in shape um i'm just you know with everything i'm doing with diamond striking that you guys see all like on my page yeah i'm using that i'm using yeah. him as motivation because i sat around for a year and a half drinking beer I, I wasn't an alcoholic but like on the weekends like i'd yeah you know me for me, sure me and my buddy would kill like a 30 pack and like yeah. on an easy night yeah so you know i had to find my way through that entire maze because yeah. everything else that transpired after he passed away just made it way worse yeah um just incidents with you know his wife and 
how everything handled and everything it was just it, it it did a number on my mental yeah um you know i just try to keep everything in place you know after he passed you know everything yeah so um i tried to hold him up as much as i could before it just all fell out and i'm just sitting there left like and I don't, now i got to deal with this. I actually had to go to therapy and, you know, all that just to yeah. find my way through it because I was, I was in, a, in a bad rut. Yeah. Um, and I still talk to him every day, you know, every morning. I still hear his voice. I mean, I know it sounds crazy, but I try, man. I try to keep him up. But now I, I'm able to talk about this without actually bawling my eyes out. Yeah, yeah, for there, sure. There, there's, certain, there's certain times, you know, especially, you know, today being his birthday. Yeah. Um, on We tried for a lantern lighting. <laughs> yeah. Um, it got rescheduled. <laughs> so, so just a little bit of background. We were we were scheduling Justin. Justin was here. Um, I came with my boys to get haircuts, and we just kind of kicked it off. Goose and Angelo introduced us, and um, we're like, "Dude, we got to get you on the show." And uh, we, we booked it like multiple times. Let's just say, just to you know, scoot around some things. Um, and, and that's like another message. What, what I what I appreciated to you. What was the first thing I said to you? I was like, he called me. Yeah. Or exactly. he wanted to talk to me. And, and it's very important for me, um, just not even just as a man, but just as a respectable person. It's like we goofed on the schedule thing, right? And then you like you made up for it. Like you're like, no, I'm not putting this through a text. I'm not putting this through an email. I want to yeah. talk to you. Yeah. I thought that was like the dopest thing ever because the guy, the guys know the the, the mess we go through with guests, yeah. uh, just bailing on us, not responding, yeah. have us rooting for them all up until 20 minutes before the thing and just never yeah. show up and we're just sitting here. Um, and so just for having that alone, I just, I'm like, this is a stand-up guy for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm all about the um, respect, man. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so it was, you know, obviously there's some uh, schedule conflict, but yeah. uh, we still made it happen. We're yeah, here no, today. No, no, and it no. just so happened to fall on Jimmy's birthday. So I don't I don't think anything happens for uh, by accident. I think it was purposeful and, you yeah. know, God's very meaningful way. Um, so I think it's actually kind of dope. It's also better. Yeah. Um, and we're kind of, it felt like it was natural the way it just happened. Yeah. Um, but anyway, is there anything else you want to add to that? Maybe someone who's listening right now is probably going through maybe a similar thing, uh, just overcoming. Can you give them any tips on, you know, like when you're at your lowest point, rock bottom, like what, what were some of the things that got you out of that? And like, dude, I got to get, I got to stop this and, you know, take this into a positive direction. The, the same thing that I'll tell a struggling couple in their marriage. Yeah. You got to go see a therapist. Yeah. You, that's it, got to be number one. Yeah. You know, if you don't exhaust that option, you're not really putting in the work. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, get up, find something you love to do, find a hobby, uh, and and go do it. Yeah. Don't procrastinate. Just even if it's buying a ticket to your favorite place, just book it and go. Yeah. You know, if you're in like a bad bad place, and, and obviously go see a therapist. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, so so let's let's switch gears a little bit. Powerful stuff, obviously. Um, so Angela, I want to ask you a question really quick. So how did how did you and Justin meet? Were you always his barber? Does go back four months ago? Does go back four years ago? How, how it's is that? crazy. We go back like high school. Yeah. And like to give you some insight on it, I used to. So my grandfather owned a barber shop for years in Marsville. Justin was like one of my first guinea pigs. Yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I, mean? I would for real. I would yeah. pick him up, yeah. bring him to the pick him up from home, bring him to the barber shop, cut him up, and bring him home. Kid wow. had the service. I didn't even yeah. know. It. You know what I mean? But like, yeah, we knew each other for a long time. Like, to hanging out on the basketball courts for all hours of the night and stuff like that. So like, yeah. just to see the stuff he's doing right now and where where he's coming from and this brand he's building is crazy. I'm proud of him. That's awesome. You know what I mean? And it's like yeah. crazy. Like some of the kids that come into the shop that I cut, 
you know, I'll post some of his reels on Instagram, you know, to promote him a little bit. And I'll get inboxes from these, from some of the kids that I cut their mother saying, Justin's such a great guy. He trains my son. He's so good with kids. And just that in itself, like to me, like for the kids, like that's, you can't put a price tag on that. Absolutely. You really can't. Like, I love that. Yeah. So, so he got you back in the gym, right? Yeah, he got me in the gym. He got like, you I in never the gym. Buy, I <laughs> I go to the gym, I work out my whole life, but I never box. Yeah, and yeah. like for him, like, and like that just tells you what kind of guy he is. Like for him to take me on, he got these high level fighters right now. He's training for these high level fights. Right on. And he's still putting me in his in his schedule at least one day a week. Yeah. You know what I mean? That says a lot, bro. Absolutely. Like it's very appreciated and, and you know what I mean? It just it goes to show you he's just not out for the limelight. He really wants to help people. Yo, jumping on that real quick, I remember what was a couple weeks back. Justin gets his haircut on a Saturday. He's here in a boot. Like, at, you broke your foot or something? <laughs> yeah, just oh, right. And Angelo, Angelo trains with him on a Sunday. So Angelo was like, yo, you want to take this weekend off? We'll, I'll, I'll see you next week. And Justin was like, no, no, no. We'll, we'll, I'll see you tomorrow. I'll make this work. He's like, no, I want, Angelo's like, no, I want you to rest your leg. That way you're good. Because I don't want him to mess anything up for, yeah, and for, Justin for was the like, high no, level I'll fighters. See you tomorrow you know I mean? at 10 o'clock like we normally do. And I'm like, that's a determination. <laughs> this dude has a broken foot. He still wants to train and get, get it going. You got to, bro. <laughs> you got to keep going. <laughs> All right. So uh, I'm going to tap into Ange one second here again. But um, obviously on your Instagram, you post a lot of uh, some of your sparring, some of your training. Um, but one thing I always look at is gear. Uh, specific gear and what mm -hmm. you're doing. Can you explain what are some of the tools or gears that you use to train, like pad-wise, to train yeah. your athletes? Um, and then what's the importance of having the appropriate gear? And Ange, I'll go back to you because I think you're trying to purchase something uh, gear-wise. Yeah, we were talking about boxing boots before this yeah, started. Yeah, exactly. Like and so we'll get to him why that's important. Yeah. But yeah, so I'll, I'll start, you know, going backwards, you know, being someone who trains professional fighters, you know, and amateur fighters and just people who want to get in shape, my body takes in a crazy amount of abuse. Yeah. I'm talking my shoulders, my, my elbows, my wrist, everything. Yeah. I, I just, I get beat up in there. Yeah. So the importance of buying good gear is, you know, absolutely essential. Yeah. You know, you don't want to go to Dick Sporting Goods and go buy yourself a $20 pair of mitts because there's really no cushion in it. There's really no, it's not molding to your hands. You, know, like you got like Lou Gehrig after that. Yeah, Lou yeah. Gehrig for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah, you, 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 de you definitely want to spend a little bit more money, you know, on good quality, you know, mitts and, yeah. you know, punching pads, you know, and boxing paddles, all, all that good stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, so, so, and so you trained a couple, uh, uh, several times with Justin, obviously, and then now you want to step up your gear. What's, what's the transition there? Are you feeling, um, you understand now the importance of it for yourself or... Yeah, I'm just, he's quarterbacking this thing. Like, I yeah. don't question, you know, when he sits in my chair, he don't question what I do. And when I'm in his his area, I don't question what he does. I like, like it. So whatever he tells me to do, I'm going to do it. I went into it open-minded. Like, can't learn something unless you're open-minded. And, you know, he's the person I'm going to learn from. So that's what he says goes. I love it. And so that's... Um uh, a, a tip for anyone listening, trying to tra whether it's MMA or whatever you're training in, to be what Angelo is doing and saying is being a sponge. And what anyway? What are you doing there if you're not going to be listening to what the coach is telling you to do anyway? What's the point? Hey, well, listen, there's a lot of that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but it's almost like the RO. What's the ROI, bro? Like you're you're going in there and your ego is ripping you off, or are you going to put the ego to the side and let allow yourself to gain way more than what you typically would. Um, all right, so, so let's, let's trickle down. So you mentioned your kids, your wife, your family uh, several times. So what 
What is your motivation at this point in your life? You know, definitely my children to have a lot more than I had. Yeah. Um, and they already have. You know, yeah. I, mean, I bought my first house when I was 26. Yeah. So, I mean, that I'm already winning. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, you know, they have, you know, a stable home. They're already winning. Yeah. You know, they're already coming up way better than, you know, than I did. Love it. You know, I had maybe four toys growing up, man. Yeah. You know, they, they have anything they want. Yeah. So, um, my daughter asked for a pony. She's going to get a pony. My son's crazy, and I can't wait for him to be a little bit older, put him in wrestling and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, man, they're definitely my motivation to have, you know, give my family more than what I had. Um, and just to have something of my own, to feel good about myself, to feel good with my fighters having success and, you know, you know stuff like that. So, I ask our guest every single time, I love hearing it, how do you manage... Um, work-life experience, right? And and the reason why I ask is because we know there's going to be moments where, like, when you're in a you know training camp or a fight camp and you're prepping for an actual um, a fight uh, with a date on it. Obviously, it's going to be a little bit more crazier than if it's another part of the year. Um, so, can you explain how you balance all that? Uh, even us scheduling this was a balancing act, right? You're yeah. going back and forth with your wife's schedule, and yeah. you're like, all right, we can make it happen. So, so explain how you balance all that. It's hard, man. Yeah, it, it's hard. It's you know we have to correspond with with my wife's schedule, my work schedule, um, and that's not easy in itself. Yeah. So I'm literally cramming a lot of this into my life. I, yeah. I'm nonstop, pretty much all day. Yeah. So got to be meeting people at four o'clock, five o'clock, six o'clock, <laughs> teaching three classes a week. You know, so it's you know I'm trying to put it all in there. So. Yeah. And you know, three classes a week at, at NPR. Okay. Um, outside of that, it's just all one-on-one -on -one training with with all my fighters. Wow. And do you you train out of NPR as well? Yeah. yeah okay. Yep. Yep. Awesome. Um, all right. So, what is your recommendation to someone who's probably whether they want to approach? Um, fighting on a more serious note um, or someone wants to transition from being a fighter to a coach um, and they want to pursue that dream. What is your recommendation uh, or maybe something you could say to the younger you while you're making that transition that might have made it smoother? You know, uh, you know I, I went about the right way. Just make sure you're taking advice from people who have success. Yeah. You know, you don't want to look at the head case fighter who's gym hopping and you know, doesn't you know? Is always critiquing other fighters and talking about people behind their backs. Stay away from those people. Yeah, for sure. Stay away from the people who have success. You know, world champions. You know, those are the people you want to, you know, follow in their footsteps. Uh, you know, if if you don't choose to be an active fighter, just make sure you're taking you know good advice from other good coaches. Yeah. You know, iron sharpens iron. You know, that's just how that's just gonna go. Um, and that's all there is to it. Just get in there and train. I love it. And this one's for you, man. Um, so, so me and you go back and forth all the time, um, send each other positive messages, uh, you know, just technically being in each other's corner and rooting each other on. What is the importance of having one support or at least someone who's just going to be a positive influence instead of there's so much negativity out there? Um, and, and we're on a touch and go basis. But still, it's at least something. There's a there's a positive. What's the importance of having that mentality um, outside of all the negativity and chaos we got going on around us? It's crazy. It's amazing. Like you know, 
my grandfather used to tell me, show me who your friends are and I'll show you who you are. Yeah. And like, I never really understood that till I grew up, you know yeah. I mean? I hang around with a lot of the wrong people, but just having that one positive person in your life can change, it can change the world. Like if you want to make money, you hang out with people to make money. I'm in a point in my life where I just want to hang out with good people. Yeah. I want to be around good people and not yeah. have to worry about nothing. Yeah. And that's what I'm starting to surround myself with. And it's great. Like when we first did this training thing, I was like, yo, you can come to my gym. He's like, yo, I'd really appreciate it if you come to NPR and train over there. And it's the best thing that happened because I get to see some of these kids in there and like just the unity in there. And just yeah. like he said, the brotherhood, you could sense that as soon as you walk in. Yeah, and just to be able to experience that for an hour out of the week, it's something crazy. Yeah. It's, it's a beautiful thing. It really is. Absolutely. That's awesome. Um, Justin, is there anything that we didn't touch upon that you want to, you know, say or, you know, final message to the to the listeners? Um, I just, you know, just do, do what you love. You know, if you have something in your mind and you're not doing it, you know, that's your own fault. You know, yeah. you got to get up and just get after it. Yeah. And that's exactly what I'm doing. You know, I, you know, I'm trying the best I can. Unfortunately, we live in a world where social media rules, up, rules all. Yeah. <laughs> so I just started promoting myself and I'm doing well. Um, I, I definitely have, you know, an Instagram and a TikTok and all that stuff. Yeah. And I'm just trying to build my, uh, my following, man. It's hard, though. It is. <laughs> But I feel like I've been putting out good content. You know, it's definitely starting to gain traction. Um, so keep so, that going. So if someone did want to follow you who's listening right now, how, you know, what's your IG handle, TikTok? Uh, Instagram would be Diamond Striking underscore. And uh, TikTok is just at Diamond Striking. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So there you have it, folks. We like to wrap things up with quotes. And the first one is by Dan Millman. The secret of change is to focus all of your energy, not on fighting the old, but on building the new. Mm. And the second one is by Mike Dooley. Life's not about expecting, hoping, and wishing. It's about doing, being, and becoming. Diamond Strike in this episode, we have special guest Justin Burke. We cover topics that range from fight camps, coaching, teaching, being a father, mixed martial arts, and much more. We wrap the episode up with quotes from Dan Millman and Mike Dooley. Awesome. Guys, thanks again for joining us. The Rotated Views podcast was produced for self-development purposes. Huge shout out to our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by the Blessed Lifestyle brand. That is BL3SSED.com. Also sponsored by The Motivation Files Unleashed. This motivational mixtape will be your fuel for success. Available on all platforms. Guys, don't forget to visit the website, JimmyLeeVelez.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Rotated Views. If you have any inquiries or questions, email us at info at JimmyLeeVelez.com. On behalf of myself and the rest of the crew, we wish you massive success. Stay blessed. <laughs>